Billy Graham. In 1950, Billy Graham held an evangelistic crusade in Atlanta, Georgia. And it was a successful uh, crusade, one of his earlier crusades. And at the end of the crusade, the Atlantic, uh, Atlanta Chronicle published two photos side by side in their newspaper. One was a photo of Billy Graham waving goodbye to the city of Atlanta. And the second photo, right next to it, was uh, a picture of some bags full of money, $9,000, which had been given as a love offering during the five days of the crusade. Well, the insinuation of the two pictures side by side was that Billy Graham had come to Atlanta, fleeced the people, and now he was on his way out with, with all the money. And this really bothered Billy Graham. And so uh, Billy Graham and, and his board of directors decided from that point on, Billy's salary would be set once a year by the board, and it would be ir uh, irrespective of how the evangelistic crusades did. Because up until then, uh, he and his staff were paid based on, you know, the love offerings. But they said, we're not going to do that. We're, gonna, uh, we're just going to have a salary, an annual salary, and regardless of how, you know, successful the crusades are. So in 1950, his salary was set at $15,000. Uh, by 1978, uh, his salary had risen to $39,500. And then in 2005, kind of the last uh, time in which Billy Graham was in charge of the Billy Graham Evangelical Association, a uh, hundred-plus million-dollar uh, organization, it was $450,000 a year. Which is a lot of money to us, right? How many here would... No, you don't have to, but I mean, I'd raise my hand and say, sure, $450, that's awesome. Uh, but here's the thing. Billy Graham... Uh, took a lot less than he could have commanded. Uh, he was one of the most well-known people on the planet. Uh, he was certainly probably a second to the Pope in, in being um, known across the world. For 10 years in a row, he was uh, top 10 people in America, according to Time Magazine. And a couple of the Time Magazine contributors, Nancy Gibbs and Michael Duffy, wrote a book about Billy Graham in which they said uh, he had many offers to uh, turn his fame into cash. He had people wanting him to endorse their products. He, people who wanted to make TV programs and movies and have book deals worth millions of dollars. And Billy Graham said, no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you because he did not want finances to be an obstacle to the spread of the gospel. He didn't want anybody to say, Billy Graham's in this for the money. Now, I've known about Billy Graham's uh, approach to money uh, for a long time. It, it's been an uh, inspiration to me as a Christian minister. But you know what? It kind of pales in comparison to what the Apostle Paul did. Because <laughs> the Apostle Paul tells us that when he planted the church of Corinth and other churches, he took no salary. He, he was a bivocational pastor who paid his own way by making tents. The Apostle Paul, if anyone deserves being financially compensated for preaching the gospel and writing all the books that we so love in, in the New Testament, it's Paul. But Paul said that uh, he chose to 
forego financial compensation uh, for, the, for his ministry for the sake of the gospel. Right off the bat, let me say I'm not planning to announce that I'm going free of charge from now on. I have found other ways to apply this text to all of you. So we are in, uh, we're in, we're studying the book of 1 Corinthians, which was originally a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to a church he planted in Corinth. And uh, he was living in Ephesus when he wrote the letter. He'd been visited by some folks from uh, Corinth who told him uh, what was going on in the church and had some theological questions. So he wrote, there were some disturbing things happening. So he wrote to correct, but he also wrote to answer some theological questions. Uh, This is week 10 in the series, and if you have missed any of the previous weeks, I encourage you to go online and catch up, clearwater.church. You can download the Clearwater Church app, take us with you on the go. Uh, Now, two of the sermons, I believe, uh, failed to be recorded due to a technical glitch, but we've got that figured out. Most of them are online. Let me remind you of uh, topics so far. The first week, we looked at the world's wisdom versus God's wisdom. Week two, we looked at divisions in the church. Number three, excommunication. When is it appropriate to ask somebody to leave the church? Number four, lawsuits among Christians. Week five, sexual immorality. Week six, the one you all wish you could hear but didn't get recorded, singleness, sex, and marriage. It was dynamic. Number seven, divorce and remarriage. Week eight, the Holy Spirit's witness to the truth. Week nine, disputable matters. And then this week, laying down our rights to advance the gospel. Turn in, if you would, in in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're looking at the first 18 verses of of the chapter. And I will read, and then we'll get into the text. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I'm not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife or to do as the other uh, apostles and the brothers of the Lord in Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it's written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake, because the plowman should plow in hope, and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Nevertheless, we've not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ." Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. 
but I've made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I'd rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward, but if not of my own will, I'm still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. So there were some folks in Corinth who were saying this. Paul, Paul doesn't demand money, therefore he doesn't need to be taken super seriously. If Paul were an apostle, then we would certainly have had to pay him when he was here. But he worked for free. He's just a lay person, right? He's not a, he's not a real apostle, because real apostles get paid. And so they were, they were claiming that, that Paul was, uh, due to the fact that he preached for free, they, they said, well, he can't be uh, as important as Peter and the other apostles. And so Paul has to defend his apostleship, and he, has to ex he explains, I have the right to be financially compensated for my ministry. I just choose not to exercise that right. And he spends quite a bit of uh, real estate, textual real estate, um, making the point that he has a right to financial compensation for his work as, as a minister. And so let's hit this really fast. Uh, the first, he, he, he makes five arguments. The first argument is, hey, I'm an apostle and all the other apostles get paid. Verse 5, do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? So apparently uh, the other apostles... Uh, they actually got to bring their wives along and, and the church would pick up the tab not just for the apostle but also for the apostle's family. And so Paul's saying, look, uh, others are getting this perk. I deserve it too. Uh, then in verse 7 he says, look, it's only natural that when people work they get paid. Verse 7, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Answer, nobody. <laughs> it's, people don't do that. It's standard practice that when you work, you get paid. Then he goes in verse 8, he, he says, it's also a biblical principle that you pay people who work. Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it's written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Uh, and, and then he makes the point that, that that's not... Yes, it applies to oxen, but it also applies to humans. Uh, if you muzzle the ox while it's working, it'll get tired and stop working. You let the ox eat while it's working so it can keep uh, generating energy and, and it can continue at the labor. Same thing with somebody in ministry. Um, you know, If you want somebody to continue in the ministry or to do it full time, then free them from the need to go figure out how to support the family. And the fact is, had, had the church in Corinth paid Paul, he wouldn't have had to divert time and energy to making tents. 
Then he goes on in verse 13. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? Those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? He goes, you know, so at the time that the temple's still standing, he says, just look at the temple. All, all of the, uh, the Levites, all of the priests, those who work in the temple, they make their living from that. And then finally, if you're not convinced already, he pulls out the Jesus card, verse 14. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Jesus said, pay your pastor. Uh, <laughs> and so he, you know, why does he spend so much time making, making the argument, I have a right to financial compensation for my gospel ministry? Well, he takes all the time to establish the right so that we are... Uh, more impacted by his choice to forego the right and to lay it down. He's like, look, I'm not uh, working for free because I have any question about my rights. No, I understand my rights. I know that I should be paid for what I'm doing. But I'm choosing not to be paid for a reason. Verse 15 but I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. You know, don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to guilt trip you. I'm not trying to say, uh, I expect some back pay here, people. <laughs> no, what's his point? Why? Why did Paul work for free when he didn't have to, when he had a right to financial compensation? In verse 12, we're told this. Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Uh, that word, obstacle, uh, has the connotation of tearing up a road uh, in front of an advancing enemy army. You're wanting to slow them down, and so you tear up the road so that they can't advance towards you as quickly. Uh, you slow the progress. You hinder uh, their progress. And Paul said, I don't want the gospel slowed down. I don't want the advance of the gospel hindered in any way. And Paul concluded that if he had asked for payment when planting the church, that it might have slowed down the gospel. Maybe people would have said, ah, he's just one more you know, peddler of a philosophy. He He's really trying to line his pockets. Or maybe they wouldn't have shown up to his meeting because they, they were afraid he's going to pass that bag again, and that's uncomfortable, and I don't want to invite my friends, and they might feel weirded out. And so he, he says, you know, we're not going to, I'm just going to do this for free, and it's going to speed up the gospel advance. Now, that cost him. It cost Paul, which is why he says, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel. You know, it wasn't easy for Paul to have to uh, work a second job, be bivocational, uh, to squeeze in his ministry outside of his working hours, right? I'm sure he burned the candle at both end, ends a lot. He talked about how his life is being like a, like a drink offering poured out. I'm sure he was tapped out a lot of the times. 
And let me say this. We're, we're not talking about things that God demands of us. We're talking about things that... It's not an obligation. We're not talking about obligations. We're talking about opportunities. God did not require Paul to preach for free. In fact, he's, Jesus said he should be paid for it. That's what's right. He had a right to be paid. But he chose to lay down his right... So the gospel would speed up. So this is not, we're not talking about obligations that Christians have. We're talking about opportunities that we step into by taking the burden upon ourselves, by choosing to suffer for the sake of other people. We have rights, man. We have a lot of rights. And uh, we're very aware of our rights I certainly am, and I, I like to argue for my rights. But I wrote down a number of rights that Christian people, you know and I know, uh, lay down for the sake of the gospel opportunity. So I'm going to just read some of these, and uh, they will hopefully inspire other thoughts in your mind. You have a right to sleep in on the weekends. You've been working hard all week, but you have an opportunity to be here bright and early to help set up for church. You have a right to attend the adult worship service every single Sunday, but you have an opportunity to sometimes be back there with the kids and teaching them about the love of Jesus. You have a right to spend your vacation days fishing, hunting, or hanging out on a beach. But you have an opportunity to spend some of that vacation on a mission trip, maybe out in Norvik, Alaska, or helping out with Outdoor Club. You have a right to privacy, but you have an opportunity to share your testimony, including all the mistakes you've made so that God's grace in your life will be highlighted. You have a right to be married and have a family, but you have an opportunity to remain single, to spend more energy and time on the kingdom of God. You have a right to worship at a church that sings the songs you like and the style you prefer, but you have an opportunity to put up with your church's music it's because you know they need me. <laughs> you have a right to only host people in your home that you know and trust. But you have an opportunity to invite strangers in your home in order to present the gospel. You have a right to drink alcohol. But you have an opportunity to abstain sometimes for the sake of Christians with different convictions. You have a right to a full night's sleep. Amen. But you have an opportunity to stay up a little longer sometimes to read the Bible with your kids or pray with your spouse. You have a right to make as much money as you can. But you have an opportunity to make a little less so that you can work with a Christian ministry or spend time, more time with your family or serving your church. You have a right 
to live near your family and with people who dress like you do and eat the same kind of foods that you eat and speak your language. But you have an opportunity to be a missionary in a foreign land and bring the gospel to people who've never heard the gospel. You have a right to spend all your money on yourself. You earned it. But you have an opportunity to spend some of your money underwriting gospel work. You have a right to only transport your kids to youth group. But you have an opportunity to shuttle other kids so that they too can participate in youth group. You have a right not to be bothered by other people's problems. But you have an opportunity to answer the phone when your neighbor in need calls. You have a right to relax when you retire. But you have an opportunity to leverage your retirement for the kingdom of God. You have a right to leave your spouse when they cheat on you. But you have an opportunity to put the gospel in practice but with the per- person closest to you. You have a right to pursue justice when you've been wronged, but you have an opportunity to turn the other cheek and show grace in that situation. And on and on, right? So many ways that God's people lay down their rights, not because they have to, but because they choose to in order to speed up the gospel advance. A couple of stories. Uh, I had a pastor friend come to me one time. He'd been let go from his church, and uh, it didn't seem to be justified. In fact, we looked at the bylaws, and our conclusion, and I agreed, uh, that church did not have the right to fire you in that way. And uh, there was a, a friend of this, a pastor's friend, who was a lawyer who really wanted to fight this, take it legally. And uh, this friend of mine said, no, I don't want to create that controversy in the church and fell on the sword and left quietly so that the church wouldn't be disrupted. Last week, uh, Pastor James talked about Eric Little, the flying Scotsman, chariots of fire, chose not to run on Sunday. Well, he went on to become a missionary to China. And he was in China when the Japanese invaded prior to World War II. And the British government uh, was getting all of the British citizens out of China. And he had the opportunity to escape the coming Japanese. But he said, he put his wife and three children uh, on the boat. But he said, I'm staying here because the gospel works is still here. And then the Japanese did come. And the Japanese threw him into a uh, prisoner of war camp. And the conditions were quite bad. But he shared the gospel while he was in the camp. Uh, he was sort of the camp pastor. Well, because he was a, uh, a national hero uh, in Britain, uh, very well-known, gold medal, Olympian, Winston Churchill uh, negotiated his release with the Japanese through a prisoner exchange. But when the day came for Eric Liddell to uh, escape or get out, uh, he allowed a pregnant woman to take his place, and he remained in the camp. And he died in the camp. Listen, he, had a, he was a British citizen. He had a right as a British citizen to get out of China and not have to endure 
you know, China's problems. He had a wife and three daughters, one of whom he had hardly met, Mary. You know, he had a right to, uh, he was a national hero. He had a right to get out when Winston Churchill negotiated his release. But he, he laid down his life, gave up his rights so that the gospel ministry would continue. The Apostle Paul said, says, you know what? Laying down my rights for the, for the sake of the gospel is a privilege. That's what I see here in verse 18. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. <clears throat> so when I was in high school, I uh, dated a girl and my mom helped me be a good boyfriend. Uh, she would periodically bring home the gift that I should give my girlfriend, right? So, hey, stuffed animal and some flowers. And I never bought them. I wasn't thinking about it, but I was looking great. Well, then finally, uh, I was convicted by a Bible story in which uh, David is being judged by God because of his sin. And uh, Naboth, Naboth, I don't think it was Naboth. Can't forget who it was. Came to David and said, um, oh, David needed to offer a sacrifice to the Lord to uh, stop the judgment upon the nation because of his sin. And I think maybe it was, ah, I forget who it was. Was it Nathan? It was somebody nice, like Nathan, who said, here is my plot of land. You may, you know, I'm going to give it to you so you can make an offering. And David said, I want to buy it from you. I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. And so I said, Mom, I think I need to pay for these gifts for the girlfriend. Because otherwise it's meaningless, right? And I think that's what Paul is saying. Is Paul is saying, um, you know, God has tasked me with preaching the gospel. I'm going to preach the gospel. But my, my being able to offer to the Lord something that's not required of me, uh, to do it free of charge, to lay down my right, that's my joy. That's my privilege. That's my way of saying to God, um, I love you. This is most important. You're most important. Your work on earth is most important. That's my reward. Uh, one last uh, parable Jesus taught. It's recorded in Luke chapter tw 12. And it's a parable about this man who has a, one year he just has this ginormous harvest, way more than he anticipated. Uh, the harvest is so big that his barns can't hold everything. And so what does he do? Well, he had an opportunity. He had a surplus, and he could have given it away. He could have funded, you know, uh, mission work. He could have given it away to the poor and serve people. So many opportunities to do good and be generous with God. But, but what does he do? I'm going to tear down my barns, build bigger barns, and then I'm going to live in comfort for the rest of my life. And, and, and Jesus says, God doesn't say, uh, you, no, you, you, you had a responsibility to give it away. He says, how foolish. What a way to squander your opportunity. And God took his life that day, so he never got to uh, benefit from the great harvest. And Jesus says, we need to be generous with God. So, listen, we have rights. And, God, and, and these rights, God doesn't require us to lay them down. But we have 
gospel opportunities. And many gospel opportunities cannot be seized apart from us laying down our rights. Let me say that again. Many gospel opportunities cannot be seized without us laying down our rights. But when we do that, when we lay down our right so that the gospel may speed forward, how do you think God feels about that? He loves that. And he'll reward that. He absolutely will bless that. And there's great joy associated with that. So what right is God asking you to lay down this week for the sake of his gospel?